Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We're back. We're back, everyone. Post All-Star break. Welcome back to the show. This is the Ruler of the Court podcast brought to you by the Basketball Podcast Network. I am your host, Jason Jones. And once again, I have my co-host. Well, not a, I don't know if you can officially call her my co-host because I don't think she signed a contract with me to have this position. You know, she hasn't, you know, come out and, you know... She's, I guess you can say she's a free agent still. She could sign with another basketball podcast if she'd like. But it's my girlfriend, Lamika. Hello. Mm-hmm. So, you know, once again, she's back. And I promise a couple of things right now. There will be no adulation of Chris Webber this week. Darn it. Because there's nothing to really talk about with Chris this week, so... This is disappointing to her, of course, but hey, the only Chris Webber thing I have this week is that I was on the Mitchell and Ness site trying to up my, um, look at my throwback jersey game, and I desperately want a Washington Bullets jersey. Not a Wizards, I need a Bullets jersey. And damn it, they're all sold out. You know, so... And Webber is one of the options for the Bullets jersey. So I just wanted a bus. I want a Bullets jersey. To go with the bullet hat I got from Mitchell and Ness. I don't know if I should even be saying them. It's just to say throwback. It ain't like they kicking up any, you know, you know, they ain't, you know, putting no ends on the show. They ain't putting no snaps on the on the advertisement. So I probably shouldn't be shouting them out as much. But whatever. It is what it is. If I thought I was going to order a throwback jersey, I know I'm not getting it from the swap meet. You know, I'm not getting it from Target or Walmart. So it is what it is. So, Mika, that is your weekly or your episodic, your, you know, Chris Weber content. Thank you. Whatever. <laughs> so, we're not here for Chris, Chris Weber, Washington Bullets talk and all that stuff. We're here to talk about the Sacramento Kings. And since last we spoke, Kings have won a game. They, The one I said they were going to win. Well, if they had lost that game, they'd have had some, some major damn problems. You know, that team, you know, they beat the Houston Rockets, who had lost 13 straight at that point, and then lost Eric Gordon during the game. And also that same night, P.J. Tucker decided he wasn't going to play no more, something along them lines. So if they had lost that game, damn it, all heads would have rolled. 
But I said they were going to win that yeah, game. Oh, I mean, yeah. You proud of that? Yes. Okay. My optimism. Mm-hmm. You have more optimism than most people in Sacramento. Well, you know. You know, and then they followed that up on Saturday with a... I don't know if you call it disappointing, but yeah, disappointing. Yeah, lost at Atlanta. They were up 14 in the first quarter, and really a first quarter lead in the NBA don't mean shit. So that part isn't the disappointing part to me. For them, it's disappointing that once again, you got to see that good, no, that bad old Kings defense where you just have, you know, guys running down the lane for open layups. It's like, you know, you guys do realize Clint Capella's offense is pretty limited to things like rolling to the rim on pick and rolls. And, you know, it's, he's not going to catch the ball, on, you know, on the, you know, at the elbow, face up, jab step, and then go to a spin move to the rim. That, that's probably, if, if Clint Capella does that to you, you go ahead and tip your hat and say, you know what, it wasn't meant to be our night. Clint Capella just became Akeem Olajuwon. But... You know, that didn't happen, but they uh, were done in by Capella, Trey Young, and some guy named Rondo that we all know. My buddy, I happen to still, I, I'm cool with Rondo. I liked him when I covered him with the Kings. A lot of people, for whatever reason, don't like him, but I like Rondo. And you know, they did him in. And what, what the play of Rondo in that game specifically showed me, and then some of the post-game comments is, kind of where I want to start is about the Kings trying to find their voice on the court. And when I say voice on the court, I mean, who's going to be that, you know, that pain in the ass, that leader, that guy who's going to yell and make people get in the right spots when things aren't going well? Who's going to say, shut up, we're going to do it like this? Who's going to be the organizer? Who's going to be the shit star? Who's going to be that person? And as of now, you know, De'Aaron Fox is kind of growing into that role. I can see Tyrese Halliburton having that role, but you right now he's not there all the way, and he's still on the minutes restriction. He's back, but he's not playing the minutes he normally would be. And the other guy, Luke Walton, mentioned not to be a jerk on the court, but he said Harrison Barnes are the three guys he would look to in those kind of when when the game is kind of not out of hand yet, but you could see it headed that way. Who's gonna step in and say, you know what? offensively we need to get a good shot get me the ball and i'll make the the best decision whether it be for me to score pass so on and so forth and the kings are still trying to figure that out clearly because one thing we've seen all season is when things start going bad a lot of times they just can't they don't know what to go to to you know to kind of get a stop and sometimes the stop isn't so much a stop defensively Sometimes a stop just means getting a good shot on offense to kind of restore level of order and not turning the ball over. And the Kings do at times fall into the trap of when the other team starts scoring, they're not playing defense and they just start turning the ball over, trying to make crazy plays, you know, contested shots. It's like, what's your go-to? And I've written about this. I probably tweeted it. No, I've definitely tweeted it. To me, one of their go-tos in this situation has to be Harrison Barnes in the post. Harrison is, I think, probably their best post player, or at least most efficient post player. It's got to be a situation where if he's on the court and things are kind of out of whack, you go you go on the block to Harrison, especially if, he's in, if it's a small lineup and he's playing the four. You let him set the table. 
And cause what I like about that is that it slows the game down in a good way for the Kings. If you know, but once that game is slowed down, you got to make sure you still have your action, your back cuts. You know, guys are moving. They're not just standing there staring at Harrison. I mean, Harrison ain't Shaq. You know, you just can't stand and watch him destroy people like that. It's not going to happen in that fashion. But you do need, to me, that's going to be one of the go-to moves. And that may not be necessarily De'Aaron or Tyrese taking that shot. But that's got to be De'Aaron or Tyrese or maybe, hell, even Corey Joseph saying in that situation with Harrison's on the court, hey, Harrison, get on the block. Or tell the guys, we're going to Harrison on the block. You know, or we're giving the Harrison on the wing. We're letting him create for us. We're letting him set the table. And that's the kind of leadership the Kings need. They don't have that consistently enough yet. And until they get it, you're going to have nights like you had against Atlanta and many of the nights they've had for the last, what, 14 going on 15 years. So I'm going to ask my resident HR expert, you know, not that, you know, you know, not that she's an HR expert in the NBA, but I think these these kind of things matter that we're talking about in the workplace. People speaking to other employees, kind of trying to be a leader, so to speak. Have you, you know, I don't give any like, you know, specific examples, but can that be a tricky situation where you could have someone going to their boss saying, why is this person doing this? And he's not the boss. Yeah. Can that, can, can you see that happen in your line of work? <laughs> all the time, all the time. I think there's a couple things. Um, one, there are some people that naturally just lead automatically. They, they just have natural born leadership skills and, and when in a given situation, they rise to the occasion in that. Um, and then there are some that kind of grow into it. And, um, and as they grow, p other people will follow. And I think in the King situations, they have three, um, who can grow, as you said, who can grow into the spot, but no one has really risen to the occasion yet. Um, I think it's, it's happening, but at the same time, you know, you have to really play into everybody's strengths and that. And so even as a leader, Whoever kind of rises to that, even as a leader, sometimes they'll need to step back so other people can shine together. And so that kind of goes back to some of the things we talked about before and how they need to mesh as a team and how they're working together as a team. So they're still trying to find the groove um, within. And so even if there is somebody who's rising, they, they still need to find it to where they can work together. And once they get that, then I think some leaders will kind of evolve any um, and emerge from there. And that actually falls in line with Luke Walton was saying, he said many a times that leadership is an, un it can be an uncomfortable thing mm -hmm. and not everyone is just the same type of leader. Mm -mm. And you know, I do believe some people are just innate leaders. When I look at Tyrese, I just see a guy who was probably a leader on his, peewee basketball team he was eight years old putting guys in the right spots <laughs> but in this situation he's, he's a rookie coming off the bench he plays a key role but it's hard for a guy who's only played about 30 nba games to walk in and start telling these guys what to do especially he's not the starter starting point guard and then you have a case like De'Aaron, where he came into the league, a young guy, you know, one year of college, and he comes into a locker room with guys like Zach Randolph on the team, 
Vince Carter on the team. You know, these established all-stars, a guy like Vince, a Hall of Famer, you know, you know, on the way to the Hall of Fame. And it's hard, you know, how do you find your voice in that role? As he, he told me one time, how am I going to yell at him? That's Vince Carter. How am I going to yell at Vince Carter? And so, in essence, you had a year of De'Aaron not really being able to start to become a leader because of the guys he had around him. They could tell him to do it, but come on, he he's going to tell, you know, these vets like Vince, going to tell Garrett Temple, what you know, these are guys who have been around the league. And that's, a, you know, so you look at him as a four-year player, but at least one or two of those years, he's still trying to figure out some things. You know, his second year, he got a little better with it, got a little more comfortable, but still, even in the locker room, for a good chunk of that season, the biggest voice in the locker room was Amon Shumpert, who had seen things, who had won a championship, who had been through some things that the other guys had. And so he had a level of credibility that the younger guys didn't have, and that's part of leadership as well. You got to be a credible leader. Mm-hmm. You know, you just can't walk in there and say it, and make yourself a leader if no one thinks you're credible or respects you. It just comes off as a bunch of bullshit. And I've seen what that can do to a locker room when someone decides they're going to be the leader. Because <laughs> sometimes a guy can be a natural leader, but a leader can't be a leader if his teammates don't allow him to be the leader. That's true. There's, yeah. there's some level of respect. Yeah, that there's got to be some that. level of respect. And I think that what you see with the Kings is, I'm going before I move on, with a guy like Harrison. Harrison is one of the smartest guys around. He knows the game, but he's never had. He's this is probably the first time, maybe a little bit in Dallas, but where he's been in a position where he is the established veteran top guy. Even when he was in Dallas, he got there. Dirk is still there. Mm. So you know, it's a different. These are all different roles for these guys, and I know everyone wants to rush this team into being good. And why can't they get it right? What you guys are really witnessing is a bunch of guys trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And when you're dealing with that, you're gonna get nights like that because there isn't a guy who has just been in that role of hold up, time. You know, we got to get this right. And I know all the guys. I, I know Harrison and De'Aaron better than I know Tyrese, obviously, because I've only spoken to Tyrese via Zoom or on the phone. But you can see the I can see the difference in them as far as being leaders, but they're not quite there yet. Probably they're 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 make they've made strides, especially De'Aaron. And I think because he has the ball so much, he has to make those strides for this team to be good in the down the future down the road. But it's not there yet, and. When you you combine that with a, a team that's not very deep, you're going to have some rough nights like you had against the Hawks because that game really turned when De'Aaron Fox sat. And De'Aaron played the whole first quarter of that game. He sits for three minutes. <laughs> and they're like down 11. Huh. And that's a, you know, that's a time where you probably needed a Harrison Barnes who's still on the court to try to sell him down. So, it, you know, it all, it all I think it all can happen. I never thought it would happen this season. Like I said, again, De'Aaron, I believe, just turned 23. You know, you know, even this is a, a regular grown man in the world, not on the NBA stage. Hell, at 23, hell, I'm the hell I was doing most of the time. I was still figuring it out. I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> you know, but, you know, again, I'm not, not, no one's asked me to do this, but I think you have to kind of give these guys a little bit of grace. Kind of say, you know what? You're not going to fix a team that's been under 500 for 14 straight years in one or two years. This is a process. 
a long process. I, I give you that a long drawn out at times painful at times ridiculous at times. What the hell are y'all doing type process, but it's a process. That and I think if this was the same team from three, four years ago and we're still sitting in the same place, that's one thing. But, you know, as you bring different players in the mix, you have to allow this team that opportunity. You have to allow this team the grace. Regardless of what happened 5, 10, 14, 15 years ago, you have to – it's almost like you're starting over from the time that you give some forgiveness, some – some patience um, to this team. And I, I just, I'm always optimistic, you know, mm-hmm. one. She's like that in our relationship. <laughs> yeah, she's Miss Optimist. And I'm like, oh, hell no. But Yeah, so all I'm saying is with these three in particular that we mentioned, I think they all have opportunities to grow, to lead. And even the greatest leader among them will have to step back and allow the others to, to lead at times. And so that's what great leaders do. They know when to step in. They know the the strengths of the team. They know when to fall back and then allow other people to shine. So it's not all about them getting all the glory. It's not all about them getting all the points. But it's how, how do I work within the team? How do I then lead the team? And then how do I step back and allow others to shine too? See, I think Harrison knows that already. It's just that what the coaching staff would like to see from him is just more assertiveness in terms of getting the ball. Mm-hmm. He does that. I mean, he's the guy who you need defense. I go play defense. You need the rebound. I, you know, he does that already. So I just think it's uh, you know when people forget it with this group too. A lot of this group is the same from last year, but you did maybe swap. I used to call him kind of like the the conscious of the team, Bogdan Bogdanovich. He is you know he he kind of played a lot of that role, and he's gone. He's in Atlanta. And so now you you have the reset button. When yeah. you switch a, a player like that out, and you bring somebody in. Like Tyrese, then you have to then shift and get the jail back. Yeah, because, you know, Bogey, you know, he was a, a rookie when he came into the league, but he was a, a 25-year-old rookie. He wasn't a regular rookie. So he was able to kind of step in and be that guy earlier in his, earlier than most would. And then he was one of the most respected guys in that locker room. And they respect Tyrese, but Tyrese is still learning some things on the job that, you know, as a rookie, he's going to go through a few things. So that's where, you know, when I think about leadership with this team and what they got to do, I mean, I know it sucks. It's tired. You know, I sound like a broken record. I sound, like, I sound like a Luke Walton public service announcement, but I would have said the same thing for any other coach. Got to give this thing time. And I would only be concerned if I didn't see progress in that area. I think you're seeing signs of progress. You're not seeing it on any kinds of progress on defense usually, but hey, that's a different thing. <laughs> but you're starting to see some. I think you see signs here and there. I think you you hear De'Aaron's like the public acknowledgement acknowledgement of I've got to be better. That's the thing I don't know if De'Aaron says two years ago. You know, the the way Harrison is so direct and addressing what's wrong with the team. I don't know if Harrison do, Harrison doesn't do that when he first shows up. You know, Tyrese just started doing it. You know, you know. From the jump, so if you're talking about a core of leaders, that's your core of leaders, and we'll see where that gets them. Starting, uh, we're recording this Sunday night, so say Monday at Charlotte. You know, when you all hear this, we'll see where that process is. That'll be a, a game for them. Charlotte's a good team. I know, 
you're not used to saying that, but that's a pretty damn good team. They got a lot of good talent over there. They got the more than most likely or more than likely rookie of the year and LaMelo Ball over there. You got guys like Rozier. I haven't looked at the, the latest injury report. He might be missing, but it's a good team there. So enough Kings talk, y'all. It's time to shift over to the music scene, you know, the hip hop scene. And first thing I would do, I want to shout out one of my favorite all time albums, which was released on March 14th, 1995, Tupac's Me Against the World. Uh, his last, like I said, his last pre-death row album, you know, and in terms of just great music, this was like, you know, around you, I'm a big Pac fan, so I like all his albums, but if you go from Me Against the World to All Eyes on Me to Machiavelli, that's a hell of a three album run, and that was all less than, that was less than two years. So, one of the best albums, like I said, I think ever. My, for me, one of my favorite Pac albums. And before we shift on, do you have a favorite track from that album? I do. I have, I have several. You said from that. From that album in particular, yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Temptations. My, I don't know if it's my favorite, but Temptations is right up there. I mean, maybe because I'm a fan of the video, but. Maybe I shouldn't say Temptations. I mean, I'm hearing my girl talking about Temptations of the Month. That might be that might be a. I'm gonna strike that. That is a horrible idea. Why would a man ever be tempted? That's the worst song ever. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna change my mind on that one. You know, when she ain't on here, I'm gonna say something different. But, oh, you know, okay. You know, but you got that. You got Dear Mama. I like that one. You know. You know, and it's like it. Rem- it's like you know, at a time when hip hop was at its hardest. He comes with Dear Mama. And it's a smash. You know. And I think people people make fun of guys like Drake and them for like being emotional type dudes. Man, no wrong with the emotional man, types. Pac, Pac was taught in Thug Life and, how, and had a song called Dear Mama. You know. So. You know, Lord Knows was, you know, was another good one off of that. Like I said, you know. Can, oh, here's. Here's the one for you and me. Can you get away? You know, so much pressure in, you know, you know, you getting, you was in a, you know, bad situation. You needed to get you upgrade, your, upgrade your romantic life. You know, you had to get you away from some, some, un, some unworthy man and get you on this side. You know, like Pac had to do in that song, you know, like, come on, you know, I, I'm like, hey, can you get away? You know, and so I got you away. Now look at you now. Look at me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm gonna need you to at least sound excited about that. <laughs> Damn. Love you, babe. Whatever. <laughs> hmm. I gotta make you smile if I, if I said Chris Webber saying that to you. Look at now, now she's in a good mood. And the song "Fuck the World" always have a good meaning to me because we were in high school. We used to play. Uh, I played. I played at the uh, greatest high school ever, high school football program ever, Long Beach Poly, and one of our league rivals is Lakewood High School. And so, you know, in that song, he said they try to say that I don't care. Woke up and screamed, "Fuck the world!" One day we were we, before we played Lakewood, we were in the locker room talking about they tried us because I mean I forgot the coaches was fussing at us about not being serious. So somebody like my home, it might have been my homeboy Chris. Who did it? Or maybe it was Kokai. One of the two. One of the guys from the crew. 
They was like, they try to say that I don't care. Woke up and screamed, fuck the wood. And we proceeded to whoop Lakewood's ass that week. I want to say, it was, that might have been our home. No, that wasn't our homecoming game. But we whooped that ass. Mm. Maybe it was homecoming. I don't remember. But we, we whooped them. It was a crazy. We had like eight turnovers or something. It was horrible. But <laughs> no, I mean, because our, our, our option game was crazy. Like ball was flying everywhere. We won. I, I want to say we won 30 to 13. Hmm. Still, still one going away. I had a dude going against me. Never forget, his name was Lynn Perryman. He was going to play college football, I believe, in New Mexico. He didn't do shit against me, though. But apparently, he was real good. He didn't do nothing against me, though. Mm-hmm. He didn't get by me. Mm-hmm. He didn't knock a quarterback out. But that that was the tight end, Mr. Block. That wasn't on me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I remember. Yeah. So, enough of my Al Bundy moment. Shout out to Tupac's, uh, like I said, Me Against the World. You know, so many good cuts on here. But we're gonna, what I want to talk about today is the Grammys. You know, Grammys were held you know, t- today and got us thinking about awards and how sometimes I think we get too caught up in awards and let awards define people. And... Some of that relates to the Kings this year in the sense that I know a lot of a lot of you out there were mad that De'Aaron Fox didn't make the All-Star team. If you're like me and you're from L.A., you still stand by the fact that Steve Nash stole two MVPs, one from Shaq, even though Shaq was in Miami. He stole Shaq's MVP, and he stole Kobe's MVP. We stand by that, you know, us L.A. folks. But in terms of sports and awards and all that stuff, We're going to use the Grammys to show you why you can't put the value of any player or a coach, for that matter, in an award. By going back and looking at some of the most horrible, disgusting Grammy decisions. And there's, I mean, some of them you can debate. Well, maybe, you know, I've got two. I've got two that piss me off still. One more recent when Cardi B beat Nipsey Hussle and Pusha T and Travis Scott. I I know it was a good album for Cardi and all, but I stand by this. I think people's expectations for her album were so low that it was graded on a curve. I'm going to stand by that. And I enjoyed the album, but it was not better than Victory Lap or Daytona. It wasn't. I don't give a damn. It was not better. You disagree with me? Not on that, no. Okay. We we disagree on some things, but not on that one. Okay. But to me, the biggest highway robbery in rap album Grammy history happened in tw- for 2014 when in a category that included Drake's Nothing Was the Same, which included, you know, you know, some of my some of my favorite Drake songs like Tuscan Leather was on that one, you know. You know, that, you know, I could, you know, I love that album. And I know it's not necessarily cool to be a, a dude, you know, who's, who's who says he liked a Drake album. But damn it, Drake is good. Started from the bottom was on that one. Yeah, I mean, ah. I'm like, how, you know, so we're talking about Tuscan Leather. Start, you know, Wu-Tang Forever is my cut still, you know. You know, Pound Cake, Paris Morton Music 2 was on there. You know, that didn't win. Jay-Z, Magna Carta, Holy Grail. 
I like that album more than a lot of Jay-Z fans did, but you know, that one's got some good cuts on there. It didn't win. Kendrick Lamar, Good Kid, Mad City, did not win. And Kanye, Yeezus, another album I like more than a lot of other people probably, but you know, that was a good album. That, that might have been Kanye's last really good album to some people. But what won that year? Macklemore. Yeah. Not Ben Macklemore. It might have been better if Ben Macklemore won that year. Macklemore and Ryan. How the hell do you... I, I, I struggle to understand. I, I struggle to understand. I'm like, who the hell was in the room who said that was a good idea? Clearly nobody from the culture was in there. <laughs> I don't... Who the hell voted on that? I, I That is, you know... Yeah, that, uh, as you can hear in my voice, that still pisses me off. Robbery. I'm are you, and the, the album was called The Heist by Macklemore. Yeah, that was a damn heist, all right. <laughs> the hell? Do you even know any songs on that? I don't know a damn song, and I never will know a song from that. I ain't listening to that. It's going to take a lot to convince me to listen to that when <sighs> Good Kid Mancy. Yeah, I know Kendrick won one for, to, for to, to Pimp a Butterfly. And it's funny, a lot of these guys won them at other times. Like Kanye had won before Drake. Maybe it was like, you know what? Maybe it's how the NBA voters do sometimes. Oops, I shouldn't say that because I've been an NBA voter. But they'll say, you know what? That guy's won enough. I'm. It's like the whole voter fatigue. Because Kanye had won a bunch of them. Had already won. Drake had just won the year before. You know... For Take Care, I think Take Care is Drake's best album. It's my favorite Drake album. Follow, I think nothing was the same was followed by that. I gotta go back and listen to Views. I didn't like it when it came out. I thought it was too singing, but people have told me it's aged well. I should check it out again. But you know, Drake had won before. Kanye had won before. Uh, excuse me, Kendrick had would actually go on to win the next. You know, a couple of years later, so maybe they figured Kendrick would have his day one day. Jay-Z had won before. Maybe that's what it was. It was like, we don't want to vote for the same people. And kind of, you know, we think he'll get one down the road with Kendrick. Maybe that's what it was. They had some songs in there, like Thrift Shop, that reached number one on the billboard. I don't give a damn. I hear you. Care? Maybe. So what? Or Can't Hold Us. So who? That also peaked at number one on the Hot 100 chart. I don't listen to the Hot 100, clearly, because I don't know what the hell that song's about. I've never heard it. And then the, the album actually then charted at number two on the Billboard. I don't give a damn. And they won four Grammy Awards. So not only did they win that one, they won four. So that it probably should have just been left at Best New Artist. No. Nope. And maybe Best Rap Song. No. I don't know. No, because Best New Artist should have been Kendrick. I, I'm just, I don't know. I'm just trying what, to... And, and what rap song did they beat? The best song? Yeah, we gotta, yeah, yeah. Because now I'm I'm starting to get triggered. See, see what they done done to me? <laughs> Let's look, before we go, we gotta now look that up. Yeah. We gotta see what the, you know... 2014. Yeah, the 2014. Before we, we gonna look at that. Oh, oh. effing problems. 
with Rocky and Drake oh. and Two Chains and oh, see, Holy what? Grail with Jay Z and Timberlake. <sighs> New Slaves by Kanye West and started from the bottom. No, I'm sorry. I can't even. Yeah. I yeah. Can't. I can't. Yeah. I don't know what the, the Grammys <laughs> was on some bullshit for show that year. Because oh. what was the, uh, who did he beat for album? We now, talked I mean, about that oh, album wise. Oh, that was, yeah. That's what we just talked about. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, so. Let me just shut up now before I, yeah, you know. Gonna, yeah, let's not. Yeah, I, I, this is not the beat up Macklemore episode, but god dang it. I said, the, looking at the Grammys got me thinking. But shout out to Beyonce. I know we're talking hip hop, rap. She's married to Jay Z, so that's Okay, kind of but shout out that she is the winningest singer of all Grammy history. Oh, congratulations so, to her, I guess. Yes, who runs the world? Girls. Yes. Okay, whatever. <laughs> That's okay. As long as and it's... Meg the Stallion won. Mm-hmm. I actually had no problem with that. Meg, okay. Meg, Meg got skills. Yes. So she won several. Mm-hmm. One with Beyonce for Savage. Yeah, and her album was mm-hmm. better than Cardi's album. And yeah, and so no. she she yeah. did her thing tonight. Congrats, mm-hmm. ladies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what we get. You know. Okay. So. Is there anything we missed that you want to hit on on the Grammys before I start going against other people's music? And I think we're good. No, I think so. Yeah, because mm-hmm. Meg got new artists, rap song, rap performance. So when we talk about what we're talking about today, mm-hmm. Meg The Stallion came up on top and she got the record. Oh, she was nominated for the record. So she got the three Grammys for new artists, rap song, and rap performance. So we're going to end on a high note with that. And okay, the 2021. I yeah. Okay, I won't. You know, we I don't won't. know what happened in 2014, but current year, 2021. Yeah, I won't dive into who was not. Yeah, I'm not going to do all that. Like, I might get triggered, but I'm cool with Meg. Okay. You know, so about to get up out of here, y'all. And you know where to find me, theathletic.com, where I write about the Kings. And when they're losing, y'all don't seem to read the stories as much. So I need the Kings to win to help my numbers, you know. Yes. You know, Twitter, Mr. Underscore Jason Jones, where I'm tweeting about the Kings and whatever else the hell I feel like tweeting about music, politics. I don't really care. Probably making fun of people, you know, fans saying crazy things to me. And I got to remind them that they ain't me and I got to make fun of them. And also Instagram, Mr. Under. No, it's just Mr. Jones LBC. And you'll probably see Mika on my page at some point, especially on Instagram. She ain't much of a Twitter person, but. She does appear on the Instagram all smiley and happy. Mm-hmm. So that's all I really got for y'all. I hope y'all enjoyed this week's episode of the Jason and Mika show. Or I mean, hey. I mean, rule of the court podcast. Queen of the court. She's trying to be the queen of the court. <laughs> but well, that's not going to happen just yet until she has a business that has queens in it. But she won't let me be a king in the business. So, but she's going to try to come bogus. I can do that. Two queens fitness. They can find me at Two Queens Fitness. Okay, yeah. Especially if you live in the Bakersfield area. You get your little workout on it with Two Queens. Is it it's the number two? The number two. Queens Fitness, yes. yeah. So, okay. Yeah, see, so look, that's on Instagram? That's on Instagram and Facebook. Okay, yeah. So, that's where you can find her. That's where she doesn't mind being seen. That's right. So, again, I'm Jason Jones. Miss Lamika. 
we are out of here, y'all. Y'all take care. Y'all have a good one.